the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network presents Vatican Insider with Joan Lewis. Each week, Joan brings you news from inside the Vatican and the church around the world, as well as interviews and answers to your questions. Now, here's the host of Vatican Insider, Joan Lewis. Welcome to Vatican Insider as we approach the final stretch of the shortest month of the year. Even though 2024 is a leap year, and we will have a February 29th. This weekend also marks the return of the Pope and Roman Curia officials to their offices and to work after a retreat that began Sunday afternoon. Retreats have their own history, and that's what I'll look at in a special I've prepared for what is normally the interview segment. I hope you enjoy that after the news and a Q&A. And now the news highlights. Sunday, February 18th, at the Angelus, Pope Francis told the faithful gathered in St. Peter's Square that that afternoon he would be starting a Lenten retreat together with his collaborators of the Curia, that is, cardinals residing in Rome, heads of dicasteries, and superiors of the Curia. For the fourth year in a row, however, by invitation of the Holy Father, the retreat will focus on private personal prayer instead of gathering together outside of Vatican City. Also with the Angelus Sunday, Pope Francis urged the global leaders to push for peace in Sudan and northern Mozambique, where a Catholic mission was set ablaze. Wherever fighting occurs, people are exhausted, tired of war, which as always is pointless and inconclusive and will only bring death, only destruction, and never solve the problem. The Pope noted the ten months have passed since conflict broke out in Sudan, leading to a serious humanitarian situation. I once again ask the warring parties to stop this war, he said, as it causes so much harm to the people and the future of the country. Let us pray that paths to peace are soon found to build the future of dear Sudan. He also lamented a flare-up in violence against defenseless populations in the northern Cabo Delgado region of Mozambique. He pointed out that the Catholic Mission of Our Lady of Africa in Mazete was set ablaze. Monday, February 19. Things were very quiet in the Vatican. No papal news or other stories from the press office or various dicasteries. Tuesday, February 20th, marked the 100th anniversary of the donation in 1924 of Rome's renowned pediatric hospital, Bambin Jesu, to the Vatican. In 1869, Duchess and Duke Salviati founded the Bambin Gesù Pediatric Hospital. Their house in the center of Rome and its 12 beds became the city's first hospital dedicated to children. Then, on February 20, 1924, the hospital was donated to the Holy See, making it the Pope's Hospital and a point of reference for the care of sick children in Rome and around the world. Currently located on Janiculum Hill, it is expected to move in 2030 to much larger premises. Before the donation to the Holy See, 33,000 children had already been hospitalized at the Bambin Jesu. It had already faced numerous emergencies, including the aftermath of an earthquake in Avanzano in 1915, in which 420 children were admitted, and the Spanish flu epidemic during the Great War in 1918, during which 300 children were hospitalized. The first pope to visit was Pope John XXIII in 1958, followed by Pope Paul VI in 1968, John Paul II in 1979, Benedict XVI in 2005, 
and Pope Francis in 2017. The Bambin Jesu Hospital is now the largest pediatric polyclinic and research center in Europe and is linked to major international centers in the field. More than 30% of admissions involve patients from outside the region, while 14% are foreign nationals. By 2023, 18,000 children with rare diseases had been treated and looked after. Wednesday, February 21st. Because of the papal retreat, there was no general audience, but there was other news. The Vatican announced that three Vatican cardinals had written a letter to the bishops of Germany calling on them to cancel a planned vote on a, quote, synodal committee and to post further decisions pending talks between the German Bishops' Conference and the Roman Curia. Now, Pope Francis had previously expressed his concern for the German plan in a letter to four German women theologians in response to their letter to him outlining their concerns. In that November 2023 letter, Francis stressed that such a council, approved last year by a two-thirds majority of bishops and members of the Central Committee of German Catholics, cannot be harmonized with the sacramental structure of the Catholic Church. He also recalled that the establishment of the Council had already been prohibited by the Holy See in a letter dated January 16, 2023, a letter that Francis said he approved in forma specifica. The Catholic Church of Germany wants to approve the statutes of a synodal committee formed in November 2023, aimed at forming a governing and decision-making council that would bring together some 27 bishops and almost 50 lay people to continue discussions and to make possible decisions on issues of ecclesiastical authority, the role of women, sexual morality, and priestly life. The latest letter is signed by Cardinal Secretary of State Pietro Parolin, Victor Manuel Fernandez, Prefect of the Dicastery for the Doctrine of Faith, and Robert Prevost, Prefect of the Dicastery for Bishops. It is addressed to the German bishops who are attending their spring plenary in Augsburg. Also February 21st, the Holy See Press Office gave an update on the ongoing investigation by the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith, the DDF, into allegations against Father Marco Rupnik, Slovenian-born artist and former Jesuit, whom several religious sisters have accused of psychological and sexual abuse. He was dismissed from the Society of Jesus the Jesuits in June 2023. The DDF has expanded its investigation to include other ecclesial realities with which there had previously been no contact. On October 27th, last year, 2023, Pope Francis entrusted the DDF with the task of examining the case after deciding to, quote, waive the statute of limitations to allow the proceedings to take place. The decision was made after the Pontifical Commission for the Protection of Minors in September sent the Pope some reports it had received regarding serious problems in the handling of the Rupnik case and the lack of closeness to the victims. Also Wednesday, two former consecrated members of the Loyola community founded by Rupnik, Italian Gloria Branciani and Slovenian Miriam Kovac, held a press conference in Rome. They were accompanied by their lawyer. Ms. Branciani spoke of physical, psychological, and sexual abuses she personally experienced at the hands of Father Rupnik when she was young. Ms. Kovac told reporters about the spiritual abuse 
and abuse of conscience that she endured, and other abuses she had learned about, which were carried out by someone who was considered a reference figure in the religious community. The two former nuns said they hoped to now obtain truth and justice without any personal revenge. I have forgiven myself, and I have forgiven Rupnik, said Branciani, reiterating her hope that the truth and the wrong suffered may be recognized. Thursday, February 22nd. February 22nd is the annual feast of the Chair of Peter, and the Vatican Basilica celebrates in a big way. Well, why February 22nd? It is said that it was on that day that Pope St. Peter gave his first sermon in Antioch. On this day, the famous statue of the first pope, the one on the right-hand side of the main aisle, whose foot is worn shiny from the faithful touching it over the centuries, this is adorned with lavish vestments, a papal ring, and the triple tiara. If that was not enough, the altar of the chair is aglow for this one day a year with scores and scores of candles, top to bottom. The celebrated chair is located above the altar in the apse. Now the chair of Peter is actually a throne that Charles the Bald, the grandson of the Emperor Charlemagne, gave to Pope John VIII at the former's coronation as emperor on Christmas Day 875. For many years, the chair was used at liturgical events by Pope John and his successors. It was ensconced in Bernini's altar of the chair, where you view it today, in 1666. A mixture of tradition, legend, and belief held for many years, this was actually a double chair, parts of which dated back to the early days of Christianity and to St. Peter himself. This chair, or cathedra, has been studied over the centuries, and the last time it was removed from its niche in the Bernini altar was a six-year period from 1968 to 1974, where studies pointed to a single chair whose oldest parts date to the 6th century. What appeared to be an outer or second chair was actually a covering that served both to protect the throne and to carry it in procession. Also on February 22nd, the Vatican's Dicastery for Promoting Integral Human Development announced the theme for the 110th World Day of Migrants and Refugees, God Walks with His People. The 2024 World Day will be celebrated on Sunday, September 29th. Friday, February 23rd. The Daily Bulletin from the Press Office announced that Father Raniero Cantalamessa, preacher of the Papal Household, held the first Lenten sermon on Friday on the theme, But You, Who Do You Say I Am? This was in the Paul VI Hall. Additional sermons will be preached March 1st, 8th, 15th, and 22nd. Also Friday, a telegram of condolences for the victims of an apartment building fire in Valencia, Spain, was sent on behalf of the Holy Father by Cardinal Secretary of State Pietro Parolin to Archbishop Enrique Benavent Vida of Valencia. Also Friday, the spiritual exercises for the Pope and ranking members of the Roman Curia ended in the afternoon. Well, those are a few of the highlights of the week just passed in the Vatican, but now stay here for my special report on Papal and Roman Curia retreats, and have a wonderful weekend. Welcome to this week's Q&A. The question concerns the Catholic Church's rules for fasting and abstinence during Lent. For many people, there still seems to be a need to clarify some of the rules and regulations binding on Roman Catholics 
throughout the penitential season of Lent. Briefly, Roman Catholics must fast and abstain from meat on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday, as well as abstaining from meat on all Fridays during Lent. The norms of fasting are obligatory from age 18 until age 59. Fasting means you can eat one full meal. Two smaller meals may also be taken, but they are not to equal that of a full meal. The rule of abstinence from meat is binding on all Catholics aged 14 and above. The U.S. Catholic Bishop's website notes that, quote, those excused from fast and abstinence outside the age limits include the physically or mentally ill, including individuals suffering from chronic illnesses such as diabetes. Also excluded are pregnant or nursing women. EWTN helping people grow in their love and understanding of God. I come from a family of 16. Ryan, Michael, Levi, Caleb, Noah, Titus, Timothy, Josiah, Elijah, Becca, Emma, Bethany, Hannah, Grace, Ruth, Christiana. I was really encouraged when I was listening to uh, your radio station, and I just think everything you were saying was absolutely true, and I just thought I should call in and let you know that, and that there's still hope out there. How many times have you heard it said that the church has been weak and ineffective? G.K. Chesterton says the church has been so powerful and effective that it colored even the things that it had not hoped to influence and changed its enemies as well as its friends. It affects everything it touches. It inspires a life-changing love in its friends and a self-destructive hatred in its enemies. Its enemies will do everything to destroy it and they end up destroying everything except the church. The Catholic Church, says Chesterton, has endured for 2,000 years, and the world within the church has been more lucid, more level-headed, more reasonable in its hopes, more healthy in its instincts, more humorous and cheerful in the face of fate and death than all the world outside. Spend more time with the Apostle of Common Sense. Visit Chesterton.org for more information. Welcome back to Vatican Insider. Here's Joan Lewis. Welcome to Vatican Insider at the end of a fairly quiet week at the Vatican, as Pope Francis and ranking members of the Roman Curia were on their annual Lenten retreat. However, they are not together, as they have been in the past at a retreat center outside of Rome, but on private individual retreats, with days dedicated to prayer and reflection. The Pope announced the retreat at the Angelus on February 18th. Curia retreats have an interesting history, and that's why I've prepared this special segment for Vatican Insider. On Monday, January 16th, the press office announced that, quote, the Pope had invited all cardinals residing in Rome, heads of dicasteries, and superiors of the Roman Curia, to take the week for prayer. The report said the Holy Father urged top officials of the Roman Curia to experience in a personal way a period of spiritual exercises. To facilitate this, he requested them to suspend their work activities and engage in prayer from the afternoon of Sunday, the 18th of February, to the afternoon of Friday, the 23rd. Papal activities, including the Wednesday general audience on February 21st, were all suspended. This is the fourth year in a row that the Pope and Curial officials did individual retreats. 
The retreat scheduled for 2020 brought all the ranking officials to a reach outside of Rome to the retreat house, but Francis had a very bad cold, and that kept him from participating in that retreat. And then, of course, there were two COVID-related years, 2021 and 2022, in which everyone, including the Holy Father, followed individual retreat programs. They did so again last year and, as you just heard, this year. Now, these officials had previously spent retreat weeks in Ariccia at the Divine Master Retreat Center, as they had been doing since 2014, when Pope Francis inaugurated the idea of a retreat outside Vatican City. Now, annual retreats for the Pope and Roman Curia trace their origins to Pope Pius XI, the former Cardinal Achille Ratti, Archbishop of Milan, who was elected to the papacy on February the 6th, 1922, taking the name Pius XI. He died on February 10th, 1939. On January 6th, 1929, Feast of the Epiphany, Pius XI declared a jubilee year to mark the upcoming 50th anniversary of his ordination, and he asked the faithful to, quote, share in the joy of their common father and to join with us in rendering thanks to the supreme giver of all good. Later that year, on December 20th, Pius marked the 50th anniversary of his priestly ordination by publishing the encyclical Mens Nostra on the promotion of spiritual exercises, which he addressed to patriarchs, primates, archbishops, bishops, and other local ordinaries in peace and communion with the Holy See. In that encyclical, the Pope informed the faithful that he had arranged to hold spiritual exercises every year in the Vatican, a custom still practiced, as you just heard, by the Holy Father and ranking members of the Curia. In Mens Nostra, Pius looked back at the, quote, many and rich fruits of the Jubilee year, and he wrote that, as a way to express our heartfelt gratitude, we have deemed it fitting to establish something most excellent, which will, we trust, prove a source of many advantages to the Christian people. We are speaking of the practice of spiritual exercise, which we earnestly desire to see daily extended more widely, not only among the clergy, both secular and regular, but also among the multitudes of the Catholic laity. Pius XI then wrote at length on the history of sacred retreats, citing the words on this subject of his predecessors, of doctors of the church, and founders of religious orders, such as Don Bosco of the Salesians, and most especially St. Ignatius of Loyola, founder of the Jesuits, whom, he said, we are pleased to call the chief and peculiar master of spiritual exercises. The Pope, in fact, on July 22, 1922, had declared and constituted St. Ignatius of Loyola the heavenly patron of all spiritual exercises, and therefore of institutes, sodalities, and bodies of every kind, assisting those who are making spiritual exercises. Pius underscored the joy and consolation he found in spiritual exercises and announced, quote, In order that we may secure this joy and consolation, both for ourselves and for others who are near us, we have already made arrangements for holding spiritual exercises every year in the Vatican. While highlighting the value of retreats, he did admonish, nor should the priests of the clergy, secular and regular, think that the time spent on spiritual exercises tends to the detriment of the apostolic ministry. 
As you notice, Pope Pius wrote with the pontifical we instead of the singular I. Now, retreats were initially held the first week of Advent, but eventually, under Pope Paul VI, that was changed to the first full week of Lent. Moving up to present times, it was Pope Francis who, in 2014, decided that the customary spiritual exercises should take place outside of Vatican City. On March 3, 2014, less than a week before he was to take the ranking officials and head out of town, Pope Francis said these occasions should renew the faith of participants, transforming their ministry and their relationships with others. Those who live a retreat in an authentic way, he said, experience the attraction and fascination of God, and they return renewed and transfigured in their daily lives, their ministry, and their relationships. He was addressing an Italian federation of spiritual directors and those who run retreat houses throughout the country, offering Christians space and time to listen intensely to the Word of God in silence and prayer. Pope Francis and senior members of the Roman Curia were scheduled to hold their annual Lenten retreat March 9th to 14th. The Vatican had announced in October, rather than holding the daily Lenten prayers and meditations in the Vatican, Pope Francis decided the retreat would be at the Pauline Fathers Retreat and Conference Center in Ariccia, a town about 20 miles southeast of Rome. At that time, the Vatican Press Office distributed copies of the 20th Annotation from the Spiritual Exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola, the founder of the Jesuits. The note encouraged people making a retreat to leave their home, their office, and quote all earthly care, to concentrate only on their prayer and meditation. The Pope at that time chose Monsignor Angelo de Donatus, a popular spiritual director and pastor of a parish in the center of Rome, to direct the 2014 retreat. De Donatus is now the cardinal vicar of the Diocese of Rome. At the end of that first retreat outside the Vatican, according to Vatican Radio, Pope Francis, speaking on behalf of the cardinals, bishops, and other Vatican officials, thanked Monsignor de Donatus, comparing his preaching to the good seed of the Word of God. Francis said the good seed that we carry back home will grow and produce fruit with the rain that the Lord will send. While thanking God for the seed and the rain, the Pope said they should also thank the sower. Speaking in a lighter tone, Pope Francis urged Monsignor de Donatus to pray for the retreatants, whom he regarded as, quote, the syndicate of believers, saying we are all sinners, but we all need the desire to follow Jesus more closely without losing hope in his promise and without losing a sense of humor. In an interview published March 5, 2014, Pope Francis said he thought it was necessary to give the annual retreat more importance. Everyone has a right to spend five days in silence and meditation, he said. But when the retreat was at the Vatican, many of the participants would listen to the talks, then go back to their offices and work. Anson News Agency had noted that Pope Francis was spending the first anniversary of his election as pontiff engaged in spiritual exercises at a Lenten retreat near Rome. Anson said that the former Archbishop of Buenos Aires had shunned perks and pomps since being elected, and he repeatedly called for a poor church, earning plaudits for attempting to follow the example sent by St. Francis of Assisi, whose name he took as Pope. In 2020, Pope Francis had a cold, and therefore did not join his Curia collaborators at the Ariccia Retreat House, 
but he did write a letter to the Jesuit retreat master, Father Pietro Bovati. In it, he extended his prayer and blessings to the retreat director and to the Roman Curia. I am accompanying you from here, he wrote. I will do the exercises in my room, following Father Bovati's preaching, to whom I extend my gratitude. I pray for you. Please pray for me. Father Bovati, the secretary of the Pontifical Biblical Commission, gave his first reflection that first Sunday evening, introducing the theme, The Bush Was on Fire, the encounter between God and man in light of the book of Exodus, the Gospel of Matthew, and the prayer of the Psalms. It was Pope St. Paul VI who moved the annual meditations from Advent to Lent. He was also the first pope to select non-Italians to preach the spiritual exercises. He notably invited a young cardinal from Poland to lead the Lenten retreat, Cardinal Karol Wojtyla, who preached in 1976, Christ, a sign of contradiction. And this was a mere two years before he was elected pope. Pope St. John Paul invited Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger, the future Pope Benedict XVI, to preach the spiritual exercises in 1983. And in 2000, he chose Vietnamese Monsignor Francois-Xavier Vantoine, and it was just one year before he was made a cardinal. He, by the way, had spent 13 years in prison in Vietnam. Benedict XVI invited cardinals from Africa to preach the retreats, among them Cardinal Francis Arinze and Cardinal Laurent Monsenguo Passigny. Pope Francis was the first to move the spiritual exercises, as we said earlier, from the Vatican to a retreat house outside of Rome in Ariccia. According to the Pauline priest who runs the Casa Divine Maestro, the Divine Master Retreat Center, a typical day when the Pope and Curia officials were there began with Mass, followed by breakfast, and then the first meditation in the chapel. A second meditation was heard after lunch. Other time was devoted to prayer, to rosaries, etc. The retreat house also offered internet access, so dicastery heads who wished to do some work during the week could do so. 2020 was the last time they were all together in Ariccia, with the exception of Pope Francis, who, as I said earlier, had had a bad cold. In both 2021 and 2022, due to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, the Holy Father asked curial officials to make their own arrangements, withdrawing in prayer during the first week of Lent. 2023 and this year, 2024, were again personal private retreats. By the way, though not in Lent, Pope Francis was a retreat master himself in 2016 during the extraordinary Jubilee of Mercy. He gave a retreat on the Jubilee for Priests, offering an introduction and first meditation in the Basilica of St. John Lateran on Thursday, June 2, 2016. St. John Lateran, of course, is the cathedral of Rome's bishop, and that bishop is the Pope, Pope Francis. For more information on these stories or to check out Joan's blog and to ask her a question, go to EWTN.com. That's EWTN.com. Thanks for listening to Vatican Insider on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.